0: Greetings, magnificent souls, to the Lily Bewley podcast, where we have open and honest discussions about ourselves. This is your host, Lily Bewley, and I'm honored to have conversations here with thought leaders, visionaries, healers, and even solo conversations with myself about things I am currently reflecting on. This is a place where we break down, break away, and break through our emotional trauma, allowing ourselves to be healthy be happy, and live a peaceful life. We are tired of being sick and tired. We are tired, but we are not giving up. We know that there is something magnificent inside of us. And because we are fighting daily, hourly, and by the minute, fighting ourselves, our kids, our spouses, we have to do things differently. We have to break the cycle. We don't have a million chances. We have to be happy now we have to find a way. So how do we do that? How is that possible? If you look around at what society is telling you, they tell you that what we're doing is impossible. Yet it's happening every single day. And it's happening through the practice and the love that we call awakening the magnificent soul. We are all magnificent souls. And these are our stories of healing. Today in episode 115, I welcome David Richmond to the show to chat about the emotional impact of cancer. Don't forget to let me know your thoughts about this episode or anything you would like me to cover on future podcasts at epiphanyvault.com. Remember it is a safe place and I would welcome the discussion. And also a request if you are enjoying the show, please rate and share and review so we can get the word out to more and more souls who want to heal. My guest today, David Richmond, is an entrepreneur, author, public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist. He uses the lessons learned in his life to enrich and inspire others. With his first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, David discussed how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. Now David shares the interconnected stories of others overcoming obstacles, specifically cancer, in his second book, Cycle of Lives. I know you're gonna enjoy this conversation with David Richman. All right, David. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. I wanna say to the listeners, yes, there is a mower outside of my condo right now and we are real life and we're about authenticity here. So I will do my best to mute it out and my team will will do our best to make sure that that is um, not distracting, but that's what's going on in my life today. But David, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. It's gonna be so well, good.
1: Yeah, let's talk, Lily. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so let's talk Cycle of Lives. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we got on, so Cycle Cycle of Lives, and this is the way that I'm um, reading it, and I'd love some correction or how you know you interpret this work of yours, which is. Mm-hmm. Cycle of Lives is was this project or is this project that you worked on where you you biked five thousand miles from one mm-hmm. coast to the next and then back up the the east coast right mm-hmm. and through that time you stopped in different cities and you spoke and had conversations with a whole bunch of different types of people around their experience with cancer and you documented that right. Uh-
1: Close okay. close. okay. So yes, you got the overall theme correct. But what I did, Lily, was I I interviewed these people, more than 15, but 15 made the book. But I interviewed them for like two years before I went on the bike ride. Okay. So what I did was I called them, you know, once a week, once a month, every couple of months, whatever. And we just had hours and hours and hours and hours of discussions about their journeys, about their traumas, their childhood traumas, young adult traumas, and then how those traumas either um, allowed them to or prevented them from dealing with the emotional side of of their cancer experience. Mm. And their cancer experience was either as a patient or a loved one or a doctor or nurse or caregiver or whatever. I wanted a a whole bunch of different perspectives. When I was kind of done talking to them, Then I said, well, you know, we're all connected by story. We're connected by emotion. So what better way to connect the stories than to bike to go meet them all for the first time? Mm. So I had already done the the interviewing on my bike ride. I kind of went really fast, you know, every day biking, you know, 100, 120 miles a day. And I stopped at hospitals. I stopped the cancer centers. I met tons of people along the way. But during these 10, 12, 14 hour bike rides, I was kind of like replaying all the stories in my head and my conversations and kind of formulating my thoughts and how I was going to tell their stories. Mm. Um, And that was kind of my creative thinking space uh, is along that bike ride. So you can imagine how emotional it was to meet them for the first time after I had been talking to them on such a personal level for a couple of years.
0: Wow. Yeah. Now I can't even imagine the experience, like the physical experience, the emotional experience of actually doing that. And Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. It's powerful. It
1: was, it was hard, right? I mean, the bike ride was hard, but it was kind of meant to be hard. Um, You know, I didn't have a whole lot of time to do it. I I did uh, basically LA to San Diego kind of across the United States kind of zigzagging through Texas. Down to Florida, turned right, went to Tampa, and then went across Florida, and then zigzagged up to New York. So I did that in forty-five days, which mm. is is a lot. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lot. Like like I said, about twelve hours a day for forty-one out of forty-five days. So it was it was a grind physically, yeah. but it was you know I think sometimes um, what you put yourself through physically kind of allows your mind to get a bit raw. And that's what I wanted. I, I wanted to really clear my head and focus on the stories. And that really gave me an opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah. It's just crazy, it's crazy when pain can actually serve a larger purpose. Um, and not in let me just say like with an asterisk, not like, you know, um. Like we're putting ourselves, cause you had a team with you, you know, it seemed like you had a team with you, your fiance at the time, I think was with you, yep. you know, like you weren't just out there on your own and you, in your book, you, what's great about it is that you told the stories of the different people with their cancer experience, but then you also told in the middle, what was happening with you and your body and, um, your experience and the, the emotions mm-hmm. and the pain and everything that you're, that you were going through. Um, and you did share the kind of i guess the starting point of all of this which is your sister june would you mm-hmm. mind sharing that story with us
1: oh well sure thanks thanks for asking so that was where the kind of the start of this project came along is uh, my sister and i were super close in age and we were super close uh, we had a you know a bit of a traumatic childhood mm-hmm. um i guess the the highlight of our childhood and the beginning of all the trauma was that our Our mom was ridiculously young and our dad was ridiculously old. Um, They were nearly 40 years difference in age and one was too young and didn't really want or like kids and one was too old to have kids. And so it was a little bit of a weird dynamic, but we had, you know, kind of celebrated getting through that her better than me. I was still carrying a lot of junk around um, because of it but she was happily married good kids you know i just i was in a terrible marriage um i had two young twins um she had a great job and you know great circle of friends i maybe you know kind of had the same thing on that side but i don't know she just was much more advanced and grounded and like like together than i was and um, she called me up one day. It was kind of at the low point of my life. I was escaping a very bad relationship with a abusive alcoholic with, with my kids. I needed to get us out of there. Mm. I'm stressed out. I was overweight. I was a smoker, and I was just like finally, finally, finally saying, "Man, I got to start like living my life on purpose." And I, I got, I got to figure out what the hell I'm doing here. And Um, At the same time, I get the call from June that says, hey, I got terminal brain cancer. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I'm embarking on this journey of discovery, she's embarking on this journey of, you know, the end of her life. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to talk about a lot of that stuff, not every emotional aspect of it, but kind of a lot of it. But I noticed that um, It wasn't comfortable for most people to do that. Most people are really good about talking about the tasks around their cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I find a better doctor? How do I navigate insurance? How do I take care of a friend and, you know, watch their kids or whatever? Um, but when it comes to like, how are you feeling? You know, what, what are you going through emotionally? You know, what's it, what's it like to think about your own death? When you talk about these really heavy emotional things, people kind of like self-isolate, they clam up, they're. They're not so easily able to engage in those really hard conversations. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the start of, of, of what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm trying to figure out why is that? Mm. And because I didn't know the answers, right? But I, I saw it with doctors. I saw it with patients, loved ones, survivors, you know, at, at fundraisers that I would do in June's um, honor. And then in her memory, I noticed that like when it got to the serious stuff, everybody kind of clammed up. Mm -hmm. You know, you said just a minute ago, right? Ah, I wasn't always kind of like a friend of my emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we're dealing with hard stuff, we kind of like tuck that shit away, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not like, oh, we're open bush and let's, let's, you know, let's get all touchy feely and talk about all the difficult stuff. It's just not that easy to do. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to find out why, because who doesn't know? Who's never had this thought? Oh, I know somebody that's going through something. I have no idea what to say to them everybody's thought like that. I don't want to make them feel guilty. I don't want to make them feel bad. I want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to be a jerk. Like I like, like you don't know what to say to people they're going through hard stuff. So you just avoid them and they don't know what to say to you. So they kind of avoid you. And I was like, why can't, can we change that narrative just a minute, you know, just for a bit. And that's, that's why I did this.
0: Yeah. And I think that you have, I mean, you definitely (laughs) set yourself up for a seemingly insurmountable task which is you know getting people a multitude of people and i'm sure you had people say no or not answer you i don't you know i'm curious about that too um which is getting people to open up about the experience that everyone runs away from and i do think it's like this you know it's for me it seems and i'm I'll share candidly with you, David, and I know my parents don't listen to this, so it's okay, but we have been going through in our family, you know, some scares and stuff, and there's Mm -hmm. been, you know, um, you're not familiar with the show, but the listeners are with me and my story, because I'm very, you know, transparent, but there's been a lot of, you know, um, some abuses and traumas in, in my life that I've been healing, but other people in my family haven't been, and so there hasn't been a lot of discussion about, like, I'm scared or that or you know, like or this is going on or even how to communicate that. It's been definitely the style of avoidance, definitely the style of not talking about it of ignorance mm-hmm. um and so that is you know, currently, as I'm sitting here, that is what i'm I'm navigating, and um. Yeah. So you like took it, took it upon yourself to like, to have these, these really vulnerable conversations. And it sounds like like what you saw with June, you try to find out the answer and then you're realizing that this is like pretty common, you know, like a lot of people go into that do mode and maybe not balance the doing with the being, which is like Mm -hmm. being, being with the emotions, being with the fear, being with, you know, all of that stuff. And Oh, so interesting.
1: It, it it is, and and it wasn't that easy to get people to open up. But when I explained to them that this these were kind of the rules, right? One is I'm not here to judge you, right? I'm not here to fix you. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to answer any questions. Like I, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just documenting what what mm-hmm. did you go through. Let's talk about it. And. um and then let's put it in relation to what you went through with your cancer experience as a loved one, survivor, friend, mm-hmm. caregiver, doctor, mm-hmm. whatever, because I don't know that I'll ever understand what it's like to um, be given a diagnosis or you know what it's like to be a doctor and have to continually give bad news. I'll never know that. But when the doctor that continually gives bad news um, says to me, hey something that shaped me was when i was 12 my father just never came home never to be heard from again all of a sudden he was there the next day he wasn't and my mom never one time in our whole lives mm-hmm. ever gave me an opening to talk about it mm-hmm. it's like for 12 years he was there and then the rest of my life he never existed and i could mm-hmm. never now that i could get my i could wrap my brain around
0: mm-hmm.
1: i can i can wrap my brain around the emotions around that when I talk to her. So then I go, okay, well, maybe now I understand how that, when you talk to me about that, how that might affect your ability or inability to navigate the emotional issues around being an oncologist. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, when when somebody, who who doesn't do this, right? You, ha- you have somebody in your life, you know, they're going through something really, really difficult. You could see it all over their face. Mm-hmm. It's all over their being. And you're like, Lily, what what's going on? And mm-hmm. you're like, no, nothing really. It's it's fine. I'll take care of it. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's nothing big. And I'm sitting there going, no, nah, I know it's something big. Otherwise, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to read it. It's, mm-hmm. it's freaking huge. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to talk to me about it. And I go, okay, well, before doing this book, I might go, well, that's kind of her problem. Or, All right. She wants to deal with it. Or thank God I'm off the hook. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to talk to me about it. But maybe you don't want to talk to me about it because when you were young and you were vulnerable and you opened up to somebody about something, maybe they made you feel like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Maybe they let you down. Maybe they abandoned you. Mm-hmm. Maybe they took what you told them as a point of vulnerability and used that as an opening to abuse you. Mm-hmm. I don't know those things. And so, but now I know that maybe those things, maybe you don't have a safe space to talk to me about what's going on, or you're afraid to burden me with it, or you're afraid I might use it against you. And if we can find a way to connect on a more human level where i don't have an agenda you don't have an agenda um we're just here as humans trying to form a more authentic deeper connection um you know if we can create that then i then i think you know we can solve some some problems together Mm -hmm. or at least get connected at a deeper level together and and that was the difficulty right is not everybody was willing to open up not not everybody was willing to process these deep-seated emotions i mean Literally, Lily, every single person I spoke to told me multiple times, well, uh, yeah, okay, you can ask that question, but I I never really told anybody X, Mm -hmm. and then they'll start going on an X, and I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) And I mean, heavy, heavy, Mm -hmm. heavy stuff, Mm -hmm. and the rule was all we want to try to do is give people a really honest, authentic view into the human experience so they could take that to their own lives and apply it to their own relationships Mm -hmm. no judging no solving no fixing no whatever just learning
0: i have a question probably that you haven't been been asked or maybe you have how did how did you not take all of that on yourself
1: it was it's tough i mean i tell you it was tough it it was um it was really really emotional
0: yeah
1: yeah i mean it was it was really emotional it still is emotional um you know i i i'll every once in a while i'll i'll read a story i'll tell a story or when the audible came out and i listened to all the actors yeah. that doing the audible and i heard what were real people doing real people yeah it's very very moving and it's very um yeah i it, i don't know how i took it on <laughs> it's mm. it's it's really uh yeah it's it's been very transformative for me mm-hmm. and Uh, I feel like it's been a bit of a blessing for me that people felt comfortable enough to open up to me in such a deep, personal, invasive way um, without feeling like they were being invaded.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like too you know and i don't know if this is true but just in like knowing you in these few minutes and then reading um cycle of lives it sounds like you were really good with boundaries because even from the beginning you were like i am not a therapist i am not a counselor i'm you know like i'm i'm documenting this i'm documenting this and i feel like i don't know energetically that probably helped a lot right um, but I'm sure, and also, I'm sure it helped with with the cycling in between and maybe like to process it or mm-hmm. like let it go or something like that. I'm just, I don't know so curious. yeah,
1: and and look, um, you know, I'm not saying this to to brag, but but the one of the things that I do really well is I'm a good storyteller. And um, especially if you're telling the story of somebody's life or you're telling a traumatic situation, where there's real people involved and you're honoring what they've gone through or what they are going through, um, I take a I took a lot of I t- trust me, later It took a lot of courage to send off these stories to each person to say, "Hey, I know your life is not defined by this 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 whole thing that we're doing, but this is a really like." opening up to page 13, the most private little page 13 of your life and letting everybody read that, right? There's no place to hide. And I wrote it for you. You know, like, I'll never forget, like, there's this one story about, about Jen, nurse Jen. And oh my God, this is the most ridiculous thing because here's this girl, this woman who she's a pediatric oncology nurse, just recently married, getting ready to have a family. And her and I talked about um, how she was able to grow up being a caretaker being an oncology pediatric oncology nurse, having gone through losing her dad when she was six years old. And just, I can't even imagine the trauma of watching your dad die when you're a little girl and not knowing, and then being raised by a mom and a, and a, and a brother and a, and a community and a circle of friends that teach you how to live life and enjoy life and be positive and optimistic and free spirited. And she's, she's like one of the most incredible people ever. Right. And here I am, I'm going to write this story and it involves like all of the emotions about her father and, you know, all of this stuff. And I send it to her and I'm just thinking, Holy crap. If I did this thing wrong, man, she, I mean, how horrible am I going to feel? So I send it off. Like, Five minutes later, she hasn't answered. And I'm like, she hates it. She hates me. You know. Finally, like a week later, she sent me a note saying, man, that was the most beautiful story in the world. I'll never change a word of it. I've read it to all my friends. We're balling our eyes out. It's so perfect. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And I'm like, ah, oh, I caught the emotions right. Because now people can can learn. P- people can say, oh my God, look what she went through. And look at, look at what's what what she's come to um. To know about herself on an emotional level, and now we get a little insight into that. Maybe we can apply it to ourselves, and it's like mission accomplished. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting emotional just even hearing you talk <laughs> about it. And to, to vouch, yeah, like the stories that you, yeah, that you are like that's. I feel like that that is, if not, not even knowing you, like one of your gifts. I'm telling you, it's your gift <laughs> because you move people, right? And it's yeah. like cycle of life, Like I, you were saying before, it's like part you know, a a story of pain, part a story of, you know, overcoming part is like love story. There's every human thing happening in this compilation. It's just, it's just amazing, and yeah, I'm like Jen. Like you know, maybe on Sunday this past weekend, I definitely was bawling my eyes out at the pool, and that's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, not not and not every. I mean, almost every story has an inspirational, positive, optimistic, forward-thinking message to it. Almost everyone, and only a couple of them, um, deal with death, but they deal with difficult things. And who who doesn't go through difficult things? Mm. The thing is, is that we don't we don't often talk about it we don't often lean into it if even just for a minute to like make some sense of it mm-hmm. and when when we have a free space to do that and we do it in a way that's not judging that's not trying to fix it but it's just therapeutic mm-hmm. it just has a it just has a a beautiful it has a beautiful result both for the giver and for the receiver mm-hmm. and um it's led me to actually um, uh, do expressive writing um, mm-hmm. workshops for cancer organizations. Wow. And I do them on a pretty regular basis because the therapeutic benefit of talking about your emotions, especially these type of emotions that normally are bottled up, it's so amazing that I I love doing these expressive writing things. And m- these stories are more along the lines of ex- just expressing the emotions of what people have went through yeah. and you know i who doesn't watch a movie and if you don't feel for the character you're like whatever you know like 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 okay great special effects but there's no story like i like there's no human thing mm. and when you read a book you watch a tv show you watch a, a movie and your your emotions are just tapped by the, by the character or by the plight of the character, the struggle that they're going through or what they overcome to achieve their objective. You walk away going, oh man, like I get it. The human condition, man, I get it. Right. And that's what I was trying to do with this book.
0: Yeah accomplished. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, no, we line up on values with that for sure, because, you know, I'm not surprised, like in my life, one of my biggest values is to talk about the things that people don't talk about. Hence this show, hence like what I do, you know, with my, my coaching practice. Um, so yeah, we definitely line up on values with that. And I want to ask, ask, that and if this hasn't that hasn't already been covered i'd love to kind of open this up so yeah. why does no one talk about that full spectrum of emotion when it comes to the cancer experience we talked about emotional trauma we talked about some you know traumas and abuses is there anything else that we haven't covered about why people don't talk about this whole cancer experience
1: yeah i mean yeah it's it's a great question and there's multiple answers right mm-hmm. you have to take it from the perspective of is it the person going through or having gone through the trauma? Or is it us trying to interact with them? Mm-hmm. What what makes it difficult to do that? Well, the safe space is to keep that stuff hidden in our head, right? Because then we don't have to be embarrassed, right? I mean, look at look at women who get sexually attacked, right? Well, what's their first thing? They, they're ashamed. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, how could you be ashamed? Somebody, somebody attacked you and you're gonna be ashamed? I mean, so better to sometimes isolate or not talk about it because you're ashamed or uh, you don't want to tell people because you don't want to burden them. You don't want to make them feel guilty. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's you don't want you certainly don't want, you know, sympathy. Right. I mean, there's this you don't want anybody to fix it. Right. All you want to do is just like, what the hell happened? What is going on? And that's really, really hard to do if If you're the one knowing that somebody's gone through something traumatic again we don't want to invade their personal space we don't want to bring them down we don't want to like oh my gosh like like i got a great life and here you you had you had to deal with you know your your significant other going through a 10-year cancer battle like i'm not going to brag about how great my life is because i don't want to make you feel bad right Mm. there's a ton of different reasons why we don't do it um uh, and, and I think most of it is because the only really safe space and oftentimes it's, it's not a reflective space, a safe space is to put our traumas in little boxes and just mm-hmm. tuck them away inside and never mm-hmm. deal with them again. And we all know that eventually that either turns us into people we don't want to be or those boxes kind of blow up. And then one day we just realize, holy crap, what have I done with my life? Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. All of that. There's a lot yeah. of work going over here. I'm like, like two or three things are percolating over here. So I'm just trying yeah. to figure out which way we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's just so interesting. Right. Cause I'm thinking about, I'm thinking yeah, about this, like this need for us to isolate you know, which has never really been the case ever in human history, you know, where, you know, like we've lived in in these in communities where it's been, you know, family oriented, and community oriented, and it takes a village and it really did at one point in time. And then we're now we're back in the isolating phase. Um, and I think, honestly, I think some of that was triggered for me when I was reading your book, because whenever I'm reading about you know, bad experiences, am I bringing that into my life, which is not true, but a part of me did think that was true to be real, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of spiritual teachings out there and a lot of like law of attraction, which is like, you know, what you think about, you bring about, right? So if I think about cancer, that means I'm going to get cancer, but, um, I can't, you know, I don't think that's true. I mean, what, what I did is I just kind of sat with that emotion for a while and it kind of, you know, passed through me and I, like, I, I sought to understand it, but does that make sense at
1: mm-hmm. all? Is it does. And yeah. Go ahead. See, I, I, uh, it, it's a tough topic because it sounds a little judgy, but I, I kind of think there's two kinds of people. There's one kind of person that already knows everything. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other kind of person that wants to learn. And, um, I think if you're in the camp of, I know everything then you don't want to hear about things that aren't part of your reality. I like, I, like I'll, I'll never forget my wife's dad, when she was telling him about, I don't want to digress too much, but she was talking to him about sex trafficking and how big of a problem it is around the world. And he looked at her and he said, I just, don't want to hear it. Cause I don't want to wrap my brain around that because I don't believe that is really the case. I don't want to believe that that's really the case. Mm. And I say, like, well, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but he just doesn't want, he just doesn't want to know, right? He, he already knows everything. He doesn't want to learn because it's, it's just not where he, where his mind can go. Or when, when somebody says, Oh, you know, I know I could be happier, but, or I could be less mean, but I, that's just the way I am. It's like, no, it's not the way you are. right <laughs> You already know everything. I, what kind of life is that? Why can't you learn? Why can't you learn how to not be that way? So people that 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 don't want to learn, that already know everything, I feel like they can't ever achieve this grounded, open, non-judgmental, uh, authentic connecting space with people. Mm. The, the other camp that does want to learn says, oh my gosh, like, 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 really, what is behind this idea of, you never know what people are going through, or what they have gone through, or you have this empathetic, like, holy cow, my my life might be bad, but somebody else's experience might be worse, or, you know, I I got to figure out a way to give people a safe space to like figure their stuff out, and if I could be be a small part of that, even if I'm just a mirror, like, fine, right, like I want to learn and and. Um, I've always kind of been in that camp of I, I want to learn, like I know a lot of stuff mm-hmm. but I want to learn, mm-hmm. and this thing taught me on so many levels, this project taught me on so many levels, how much there is to learn, and how far we can go in not being isolated, in connecting with people, and, and listen, Lily, I connected with some people for two minutes or for three minutes Mm -hmm. in such a way that was just so moving will never, ever, ever leave me and taught me a a tiny little, but new perspective about humanity that was absolutely stunning and beautiful and moving and will never leave me. And it's because I didn't, I I allowed myself to be in the camp of what can I learn? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And and if you're in the camp of what can you learn, you're gonna, you're gonna connect with people at a different level and you're both going to be less isolated. Mm-hmm. it's just it's, you know does that make sense
0: totally yeah it's bringing up a lot for me I don't think any of the listeners here kind of most of them probably are not in the camp of don't not knowing anything or not learning or they wouldn't be here <laughs> so yeah so welcome yeah. to the party yeah,
1: yeah and I'm not saying it's 50 50 I'm just saying there's, there's oh no, you're teams, right right yeah
0: and yeah
1: yeah You know, I could give you a a a a ton of different stories, but I want to tell you one super quick story about Patricia. You haven't got to Patricia yet; she's near the end of the book. Mm -hmm. But when I talked to Patricia, one of the very first things that I asked her was, "I I go, I know this, this, and this about your story. I don't know a whole lot. Like, like, first of all, let's talk about your mindset. Like, how do you live every day?" Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Well, you know what? I just uh, I just figure a way to get get up out of bed and put my feet on the ground and go about my day." And I'm like. Inside, I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, why don't we put that on a sticker and put it on the mirror? And like, wow, what the hell can I learn from that? Like, these trite little sayings are just—I—they don't resonate with me. And so I kind of close my mind to it. I do whatever, but I'm like, all right, let's talk. So we talk, and I realize her story is really about a lot of things. But one of the things is about was she had five different cancers. Over a 35-year period in her life, Um, multiple of those five were potentially life-threatening. So we're talking serious bouts of cancer five different times over a 35-year period. Even in that time period, while she was on a chemo regimen for for thyroid cancer, um, she took care of her father who was dying of cancer. Okay, And you go, okay, well, uh -uh, that's not really her story. You know what her story is? Right before her first cancer, she met someone who has been with her her whole journey. And how could she meet someone that could love her, that she could allow herself to be loved by, knowing what she was going through? And it's this beautiful, wonderful love story. And I'm like, wow, I'm starting to get some depth about this woman. And that's not what her story is about. Right before she met this guy, she was able to escape a four-year insanely abusive physical emotional psychologically abusive relationship that was as dramatic and disgusting and horrific as your mind could ever let you go to and yet she was able to allow herself to be loved and to love and have the strength to go through this thing and she told me one day and near the end of our talks I go I go god damn Patricia like how in the world have you done this and she goes oh David you know what she goes. I get up out of bed. I put my feet on the ground and I go about my day. She goes. Sometimes I fall right back in bed, but that's what I do. That's that's what I do. And I'm like, whoa, shit! There is a lot behind that trite little saying, and to understand the mindset of what she's gone through, and really, her everything is about. I just got to get up and put my feet on the ground and go about my day. I'm like, wow, is that moving? And so boy, could I learn something from that? So um, that that's what all of these stories have is, is facets of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, they're so good. So good. It's, such a, it's amazing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Just an amazing piece of work for sure. Um, I'm curious about, and if you don't feel comfortable, obviously, please tell me, um, what have you learned about, you know, you've, purposely put yourself in these circles with these different types of people um, that have had a cancer experience, whether they've been the doctors or the nurses or the family members or what have you, if someone's listening to this, and I I mean, like I told you, and personally, I'm I'm going through something similar. um, If someone is going through and touched by cancer in whatever way, how have you seen someone or what would you recommend to someone that you love of, of balancing the B energy, which is like being with your emotions and talking about them and everything like that. And with all of the doing energy, which is like the the appointments and the, what do we do and the everything and the, all that stuff. Cause we definitely do get carried away with that. Do you have anything? Um, because you've talked to so many people, I feel like you, you, you maybe seen things that work or maybe that you haven't.
1: Yeah. And I don't know Like from a write a prescription. This is what's going to work or not going to work. But it's it. I'll tell you um, some of the common themes were is very isolating. Right. So Mm -hmm. being alone. Some of the common themes were um, don't give me sympathy. Don't tell me you're sorry. Don't try to fix me. Don't attempt to think that, you know, what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of these were kind of at different levels, similar themes. And, and they all kind of came together for me in a conversation that I had with somebody I did a podcast with. And when we were done with the podcast, he was like, Oh my God, can I tell you a story? And I go, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. And he goes, I had the closest friend and he just passed away from cancer. Not too long ago, he goes, and every day I feel really guilty. And I go, why? And he goes, cause he just, he just never like opened up to me. I just couldn't find the right space to talk to him. He goes, and it was really tragic. Cause I really wanted to know what the heck he was going through as he was, mm-hmm. as he was dying. Cause we had lived our whole life together. Mm-hmm. He goes, and I just didn't have the tools to ask him the right questions. What could I have said? And I said, tell me more. And so he said, well, you know, when he was feeling up for it, I, he would come over and he'd pop himself on the lazy boy and pop a beer. And we'd have a a bite of pizza and watch a game and then I'd start to talk and he'd shut me down and when he wasn't up for it, I would go visit him. We try to do something similar to the same and whenever I asked him questions, he just shut me down. He goes, what could I have done different? And I said, I don't, I don't know what you could have done different, but let me, let me give you this, right? Isn't it possible? that maybe you were the only person that didn't force him to talk. Isn't it possible? that He could just be, he didn't have to explain himself. He didn't have to make you feel guilty. He didn't have to make you feel bad. Maybe you were the one person he could just be himself. Mm -hmm. And I go, so if you ever ran into that situation again, couldn't you say something like this? Would this be okay to say? And he goes, what? And I said, when you asked the question and he kind of shut you down, could you look at him and go now, listen, I'm not telling you, you have to talk to me, but I'm not asking you because I don't want to talk to you. And I'm not saying that you have to talk to me. I'm certainly not going to judge your answer, mm-hmm. but it's, it's going to hurt me if I don't know the answer to these questions. I want to talk to you. So, so can, can we find like, you don't want to talk to me because you don't want to talk to me mm-hmm. or you don't want to talk to me because, because of all this other junk, or am I the only person you don't have to like, what the heck's going on? That's imagine how hard that is to do mm-hmm. to someone. Mm-hmm. To ask that question and put them on the spot and go. When you say no, I'm not going to talk to you. What? Why is that? Mm-hmm. That's hard to push. That yeah. right? When you say you're okay, are you telling me you're okay because you think I'm a jerk and I'm going to judge you? Are you telling me you're okay because you think you're going to tell me something uh, really private? I'm going to go blab it to all our friends. Like, what's the reason that you're telling me you're okay when I know you're not okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm asking because I care right? And that's, those are hard conversations to have. And you don't want to know something, Lily, you know this probably, the closer you get to people, parents, children, loved ones, sometimes the harder it is to have those, those questions.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, or some people just aren't, aren't equipped. I mean, really, they aren't skilled to have those conversations, I guess, like like that's what I'm experiencing, um, you know, so I, I heard a lot, like, you know, thank you for that. I heard, you know, being in community, maybe support groups or something like that would be helpful, um, like with people going through, I'm just, you know, just spitballing for myself or mm-hmm. whatever I need down the road is like people that are going through the same thing and can openly talk about that. Um you know, I've struggled with being like trying to be supportive with my friends and my family, you know, when going through and even like something like death, you know, no one ever talks about death either. It's all scary mm-hmm. stuff. It's, you know, um, you know, being supportive and being like being messy, you know, and not judging myself, you know, that, that, that guy it would sound like he was really judging himself because he felt like he tried, but he failed or whatever. But, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, that was super helpful for sure yeah yeah and
1: think about it like when you go to uh go to a bar and you sit down and you have a have a have a glass of wine or a drink or something and it's not busy and the bartender's like hey what's going on and you can go oh my god i just left the hospital and my friend's dying and i did not know what to say to him and the, you can have this conversation with a stranger because the stranger <laughs> doesn't know you they don't know any of your friends they're not going to tell on you they're not going to judge you they're not going to think you're being a hypocrite they're right they oh, how freeing is it just to be able to talk to a stranger, right? Mm-hmm. That's because you know that there, there's no baggage there. Mm-hmm. Can we just sometimes have those conversations and reset with the people that are close to us? Mm-hmm. And and it's hard to do. Man, I sometimes, Lily, when I was talking to people, I was asking questions. My, my wife would walk by, you can't ask them that. You no. Know, oh, you can't, you can't ask that question. And I'm like, but but I have to. I like I have to ask the question, right? And it's like, oh, you know, most of the time it was my hesitation was like 95 me and five them, right? Mm-hmm. 95 mm-hmm. me. Like I didn't want to ask the wrong question or be a jerk or invade them in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And five percent of it was, did you really just ask me that? Yeah, I did, because I need to know. Like I need to oh, know. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. So it's curious. hard. It's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to thank you. Like again, this body of work has been amazing Um, and I want to close it up. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you think that's important for our listeners to know? Oh my
1: gosh. We could talk like 10 more times. <laughs> I know. Right. Of stuff that's important. We haven't talked about, but um, no, I mean, listen, all I can say is that if you are going through something difficult um, just maybe potentially filter out people that maybe you couldn't find a safe space with and people that you could find a safe space with, like give yourself a chance to open up to them mm-hmm. in a really deep, authentic, non-jud- non-judgmental way. If If they're the ones going through something, then provide a safe space enough for you to ask them the questions that maybe aren't so easy or comfortable to ask. Cause you're doing it from the right place mm-hmm. and who knows how you might be able to help each other, right? Not to fix, but just to, just to be humans together. Like you said, being like, mm-hmm. like just, just to do that. And, and most of the time, if your intention is correct, if you're, if you're, you know, you're, you're quiet minded, you're safe space, you're, you know, you're coming from a, an authentic place. Normally you can't ask the wrong question. Mm -hmm. You might surprise people with the question you're going to ask them, but it's not going to be the wrong question. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Thank you. You know, like
1: what, just super quick. One one of the people I talked to, um, uh, five kids had six, but one of them died when she was 18 months old. Mm Okay. Now I have kids. Anybody that has kids understands. I couldn't, I can't wrap my brain around having an 18 month old Mm -hmm. die. I couldn't even wrap my brain around. And the first thing that I said to him when he, when he did it is that, and I, and I went, holy shit, what's it like to lose an 18-month-old baby? I couldn't even imagine asking that question. Let's say somebody at work had a friend that lost an 18-month-old baby. I wouldn't say, oh my God, what's that like to lose an 18-month-old baby? Mm-hmm. But I had to know because who would ever ask that question? And he, and he started to explain to me what that was like. And I'm like, whoa, like, oh, I'm so glad that you told me that. Because if I didn't ask that question, I wouldn't have the knowledge that you just laid on me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the wrong question, but it was a super freaking hard question to ask, right? Yeah. But it wasn't the wrong. So I'm glad that I didn't filter myself when asking these tough questions because most of the time it's not going to be the wrong question. So if 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 your intention is good and you're there to form a deep, meaningful connection with people, then Ask the right questions. Ask any yeah. questions. It's going to be the right yeah.
0: question. Yeah. Or if, yeah, if you're, or I would say my, my add on to that is that if you don't know what questions to ask, just say that, like, I'm yeah. not really sure what the right, like, I do that a lot, especially like, you know, for me, my, my journey has been like, you know, coming back into my intuition and learning who I am and speaking my needs and my wants. I say that a lot. Like, I feel like I, I should say the perfect thing right now. And I'm getting, I'm feeling pressured about that, but I just, you know, I really want you to know that I'm here or whatever it is, you know, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, I don't know, it was important for me to say that. So I said,
1: it. no, it's good. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is all good stuff. And, And look, all we wanna do is not fix people. We don't wanna write prescriptions and we don't wanna preach Mm -hmm. to them. All we wanna do is people that wanna learn is give them a couple of more tools that maybe they could employ when they're going through something difficult or somebody that they know and care about is going through something difficult. Just a couple of more tools that might help them start hard conversations. That's it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's where the real beauty begins.
0: Yeah. Well, um, time went by really quickly and thank you oh for being gosh, here. Oh my gosh, we out of time already? <laughs> yeah.
1: Gosh dang it, I hate that.
0: Um, where can people find your book and where can people find you? What are you working on right now?
1: Sure. So the book, all the proceeds go to the cancer-focused organizations that the book participants mm-hmm. chose. So um, feel good about that. The books, wherever books are sold, Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, whatever, local bookstores. Um, the Audible, I, I love the Audible. Everybody mm. tells me the Audible is awesome because it's 15 different actors each playing one of the 15 people. And so it's really, really cool. Um, they can find out more at cycleoflives.org. And yeah, what am I working on? Always working on new books, fiction, nonfiction, new projects, and and um, expressive writing um, workshops. I, I, I do those for free for cancer organizations. And mm. You know if you want to find out more about that just go to my website you can reach out i'm 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 accessible i'm not, yeah. I'm not a i'm not a i'm not a celebrity <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for your time it's been amazing i really appreciate you
1: yeah sure thing will keep doing what you're doing
0: thank you my pleasure yeah oh friends i tell you i got teared up couple times in this conversation with David. And as we were mentioning, that is something personally that is uh, touching me right now in my life. And it was really just an amazing conversation that I really, really enjoyed with David. And you know how I like to talk about the things that people don't talk about. And he was one of those. And although cancer is obviously a tragic uh, bump in the road it's it's something that is way too common and people have to go through and it affects you know whole whole communities whole families it is something that we can actually talk about we can discuss we can talk about how we can help people and how um how it makes us feel and it's just like I feel like death in our western society is that we'd rather just ignore it and It's just such a great, his book really, really was an inspiring, um, very, very touching story that was like love stories and all of this stuff woven through these stories about cancer. And um, go get the book. As David mentioned, all of the proceeds go to to charities and to funds for helping with um, cancer involvement. And I really, really hope that you enjoy this conversation. So, so important to talk about because... um, it's, all, it's also very common. It's not something that we, do, we really have to go through on, their, on our own. And that is with cancer and our whole lives, really. So Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Don't forget, in order to support this show, just go to the link in the show notes and click on support. When you support the show, it goes towards buying me a coffee, maybe production costs and the time that I spend in finding great guests and preparing for them as well. As you know, I I do like to crush books and it would really help with the goodwill and the energy exchange of what you get and what you value for being here with me every Wednesday in this amazing space. And I'm just so lucky to have you here. So if you support me and support the show, please go to the link in the show notes and click on support to pick uh, what is um, available to you. And I would be so grateful. Love y'all. I thank you so much for being here don't forget that you are loved, you are completely enough, you're perfect as you are, and you are so supported in this space, and um, you have me in your heart, and I have you in mine. I'll see you next time.